Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Welcome to uh, Sunday Celebration. It's uh, Pastor Seth and I here again, and uh, as you know, we're trying to do something a little bit different, unexpected, although this week is a little bit more expected than last week, <laughs> probably, but uh, we've been hearing people have been enjoying, you know, some of the things we're trying to do. Yeah, so we're going to give it another try. Uh, we believe in improving, <laughs> so hopefully this will be a better experience for all of us, yeah. And you know, next week we'll see. We'll evaluate and see if it goes better. But third time, third time's a charm. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, last week I wanted to remind us. Last week we we started with this whole sermon series on expected, and we've been going through the passages in Luke. Uh, how first we talked about when uh, the angel Gabriel actually met Mary. Talked about how Mary would be with child with some of the most high. And the one thing from last week was that letdowns can cause us to distrust. But God is so worthy of our trust. And I think, you know, it was a really good message, uh, just for me even, uh, just struggling through different things in my life during this season, just to learn to trust God mm -hmm. more than anything else. And today, as we go into talking about unexpected joy, what we wanted to do is actually, um, you know, recognize that there might be a, a roller coaster of emotions that we might be experiencing right now. Um, you know, joy might be the last thing that's on our minds that we've been thinking about. And we wanted to actually hear from all of you in our church just what, what's been going on in our hearts, what we've been experiencing, and how we actually view joy in this season. So we're going to do a Mentimeter, an online interactive poll. Yeah. And the Mentimeter is going to be there on the screen. You can scan the QR code, uh, or you can just go to that link, menti-joy. Uh, put in the Menti code, 4739652. And uh, I think because there's a little bit of delay with the YouTube live streaming, uh, we'll give you some time to answer the question and then hopefully go through and see all the answers together uh, when we go through the Mentimeter. But uh, we really wanted to talk about this idea of joy and uh, everything that's going on during this season, especially because the fourth wave, you know, it's like, okay, here we go again, here we go again. Christmas is not going to be what we expected or what we wanted it to be like. So hopefully you've gotten to the Mentimeter poll so far. And there's just a couple questions that we wanted to ask. And the first question is, what are the two to three dominant emotions you've been feeling this past month? What are the two or three dominant emotions you've been feeling this past month? And it's a word cloud, so it'll update uh, in real time. So go ahead and submit some of your answers. It could be a short one word emotion. It could be a phrase. But let's see what some of you are uh, putting in there. And just remember that if you haven't already gotten access to it, just put it. Uh, there, uh, menti.com, and then enter the code 4739652, and then just use your mobile phone. Any browser will work, so you can participate online. So I, I don't know about those guys. Joyful, happy. What are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing? Why Playing video games. Vi oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we see a lot of the bigger ones are like tired, yep. stress, mm -hmm. um, sad. There's multiple stre oh, stress and stressed. Yeah. So it's double whammy. Double whammy. So Anxious. Yeah. Disappointed, I see. Loneliness. Um, frustrated. There's a lot. I would say there's a lot more negative emotions than positive ones overall. Yeah. So definitely, I think it does you know, describe this season uh, pretty accurately. Yeah. If we move on to the next question, the next one is, I have felt joy in the last one month of my life. And this is on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being definitely, 0 or 1 being not at all. 
And so just put, I think some of you would like to put five. Because <laughs> we're like, well, ambiguous. So try not to put five. Pick one side or the other. Uh, and then share with us, like, just have you experienced a moment of joy? Whatever joy means to you. I know many of us, we have different definitions of joy. We have different interpretations of what that word means. But have you experienced or I have felt joy in the last one month of my life? And just put it on a scale of one to ten and we'll see what the results are. So it sounds like we have, you know, at least a good 30, 40 now results in. Okay. I don't know. How, how are you feeling, Pastor Bull? Is this encouraging for you as, <laughs> as a pastor? Uh, there's uh, two humps in there. So we have like a group that's like pretty discouraged and some that are like on cloud nine. So we're just very yeah. encouraged. Yeah. But over a 6.8 is not bad. It's, it's not, not bad. bad. But that could be just one moment and maybe it's like a, a microsecond or something like that. And they're playing the video game. <laughs> well, the third question is, uh, I believe that joy is should be experienced as part of the Christian life. I believe, or do you believe, joy should be experienced as part of the Christian life? Whoa. All right. Well, with the first person, 10, 100%. Again, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being definitely, 1 being not at all. Um, and so we'll see the, the spread or the spectrum here. Yeah. I think initially out of the gate, it seems like most people 100% agree. Yeah. We're going to lay our hands on some of those people on the two or three. <laughs> There's uh, a little, little bump at the end, right? Yeah, where yeah. People are like, no, not at all. Okay. okay. All right. Fourth question. It says, I know ways to develop or I, I understand how to develop joy in my life as a Christ follower. And I know many of you or some of you might not. Uh, follow Christ, you might just be tuning in with us and just enjoying the messages. Uh, but you can just share, like, if you know how to develop joy just generally in your own life. So go ahead and answer that. I think it's always the first people that answer, always answer the highest. The highest, maybe. <laughs> They're the most excited. Oh, and then we have some people at the other spectrum, too. Yeah. I think this is definitely different than the previous one. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of times you have to think about, we know what it is or what we want, but we don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if that number is much lower. Yeah. Or if we ask the question, uh, how many of you actually have developed joy yeah. or actively doing it, that sure. might even be even lower. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's not too low, but it's not extremely high either. It's about 6.6. 6. Yeah. All right. And the last one is going to be a word cloud is what are the biggest hindrances of joy in your life? What are the biggest hindrances of joy in your life? And this might be a little bit personal. I'm not expecting you to share everything, but just a word or a phrase that, wow. you know, for yourself. A student or... has responded. <laughs> Exam. <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> that was the first thing that came out. Finals right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. As soon as you say exam, that everyone else is going to put exam as well, and then <laughs> it's going to be inflated. That exam is big. How about work? Where's the focus? Single adults. <laughs> Boss. <laughs> Boss. Right? Exam. Exam is still number one. So. <laughs> HKUST. Wow. <laughs> really have the university of stress and tension going on. Yes. Praise the Lord. No one put poly U or CUHK or HKU. <laughs> They're just relaxing. They're relaxing. <laughs> Playing video games. <laughs> GPA, I see there. Fear. Oh, relationships is another one. Mm -hmm. Insecurity. 
comparison, depression. And I, I think mental health is definitely a really big, you know, challenge uh, yeah. for many of us these days. It is. Being alone, that's another one. Life. <laughs> Someone put life. Comparison, I think that's a big one. Uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially given everything that's happening right now. You know, thanks, thanks for all participating. Um, I think even for us, I, I, maybe you can share one, one hindrance for yourself that really hinders you from having joy. I think it's a combination of probably tiredness and losing perspective. I think when I get tired and lose perspective, then it's easy to have that joy sucked out of my life. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm... I, I feel the same way. Um, I think for me, it's definitely more of that like performance or results-oriented kind of mentality where mm-hmm. like I want to see something happen. I don't see it exactly the way that I want to. Mm-hmm. And so then, therefore, I get discouraged. Or uh, another thing is oftentimes I'll be uh, planning something and trying to celebrate with my wife, and mm-hmm. then it won't go the way that I want it to go. Mm-hmm. And then my a- attitude is really poor during the whole time. Mm-hmm. And Erica's like, uh, like we're going to <laughs> so, we're gonna have to talk to Erica. About so, this yeah, so I think it's just that, that self focusedness, I think that really hinders me a lot. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I think, you know, when we think about joy, I, I really believe that joy is something that can be cultivated, something that can be developed. And as Christ followers, like many of us, we agreed. It's something that we should experience because God is a joyful God. And this season, especially of Advent, is a joyful season. And that's why the one thing for this morning that we want to share, and we'll unpackage it, is that our joy can be elevated as our heart is cultivated. It's really this, this idea that our joy can be elevated wherever it is right now. It can actually increase. Mm. We can develop it when our hearts are cultivated. It's something about our hearts and what we're, what's going on inside that really has something. Uh, to do with that. So we wanted to go into some huddle group time and give you some time to discuss with one another this whole idea of joy and just cultivation. And so the two questions for your huddle group right now, hopefully you're in your Zooms uh, and you can break out into some smaller groups, is the first question is, have you ever experienced a moment of unexpected joy? And just just share that moment with one another. What's that moment you've uh, experienced, whether it was in the past month or even in the past year? Whatever sticks out to you. And the second question is, what are some of the biggest hindrances of joy in your life right now? So you you probably put a word down in the word cloud. So just elaborate on that and share it with your huddle groups, and then we'll come back together. So I will give you about six minutes or so, and then we'll come back. I hope you had some good discussion and you're able to share personally with uh, your smaller huddle groups or breakout rooms. And uh, as we go into talking about how our joy can be elevated as our heart is cultivated, uh, there are two things that we actually need uh, when we look at developing this joy. And so hopefully you've turned to Luke uh, chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 39 to 45. We're going to look at Luke 1, verses 39 to 45. The first thing that we want to keep in mind is that our anticipation fuels joy. Our sense of anticipation, that's what really fuels our joy. So hopefully you've turned to verse 39, and we're going to just read those first two verses, verse 39 to 40. And this is what it says. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And we're going to stop right there. And even as we talk about the sense of anticipation, um, It really, anticipation, there's different aspects to it that we want to focus on that we see here in Mary and Elizabeth. The first is that we see that anticipation, it requires expectation. 
anticipation, it requires a sense of expectation or being expectant in some way. And, and when we read this verse in verse 39 to 40, we see that uh, it says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country. She went really quickly to Elizabeth. And, and that phrase in verse 39, the phrase in those days, actually has the connotation of very, very soon after. I want to read that in a couple different translations. In the Amplified, it says, Now at this time, we can read it together in the yellow, Mary arose and hurried. In the New Living Translation, it says, A few days later, Mary hurried. And then in the New Century Version, it says, Mary got up and went quickly. So, so really, we see that it was at this time. It wasn't like it took her really, really a long time to make a decision. But right after the angel Gabriel spoke to her and said, Hey, you're going to be with a son of the Most High. She got up. It couldn't have been just more than a few days later. It got up and went really quickly. And the question is, why did Mary go so quickly? And I think some of us, we might think, oh, she probably just went next door to visit Elizabeth. But it wasn't like that. Uh, and it wasn't like she was going to see, uh, you know, just a friend just for a day. She actually went for three months. And it wasn't like she knew Elizabeth had a son because in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 24, uh, it says, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden. So Mary had no idea. She was just going off of what Gabriel told her, that your, your relative Elizabeth will be with a son, and now she's six months pregnant. So she's going off that promise. And Mary was from Nazareth. We know that Elizabeth lived somewhere in Judea or Judah, and most scholars would say that was at least 100, 130 kilometers apart. So it wasn't even a quick journey. It was a difficult journey. It was a far journey. And it was something that Mary just instinctively just went expecting something greater and bigger than what she would imagine. And there was a sense of this anticipation that came from this expectation that she wanted to know if Gabriel promised these things, if he said that Elizabeth is with a child, she probably, Mary probably knew Elizabeth was barren. So for Elizabeth to have a child, for that to be confirmed would give Mary some kind of reassurance or confirmation of the promise that the angel Gabriel had given to her. And I think this stirred something in Mary. We sense that the quicker she went, the, 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 the quickness with which, which she went to visit Elizabeth really shows that sense of expectation. And I'm wondering for us, if we have that sense of expectation, if we see that in ourselves, do we see ourselves rushing? Do we see ourselves, like even when we're children, when uh, maybe we're traveling somewhere with our parents, we would always be like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? We'd be excited. Or for our birthday or for presents that we might have gotten, we, we're always like anticipating and expecting and sometimes being impatient with that. And it creates a sense of joy, this looking forward to something that we don't have yet because it came from that sense of expectation. And we see this all throughout scripture too, this eager expectation in Romans chapter 8, verses 19 uh, and 23. In the New International Version, it says, for the, e for the creation waits in, and read it together, eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait, wait eagerly. eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So even in the way that we look toward Christ, the way that we look at our faith, there's this eager expectation that we, we long for, that we're hungry for, that we're expectant for, we're anticipating, because something really, really, really good is coming up. 
in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 7 in the NIV, it says, Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. That's the whole story of Christmas. That's why we have Advent, is that these couple weeks, we're looking forward to Jesus coming. We're looking forward, anticipating his birth. Not because we don't know it's coming. We already know it's a promise given to us. But it's that process of waiting. It's like the little kid, you know, waiting for the present to open on Christmas. But it makes that joy so much greater when they actually get to that point because they've been waiting for so long for it to come. And I think the issue, and as I was reflecting on this, is that many of us, are, we're just very cautious. We're very self-protective. And we, we protect ourselves against any sense of expectation. Again, imagine if Mary was cautious, self-protective, and didn't have any expectations. And she was just kind of like jaded about everything. I, I enjoy scrolling through Christian memes on Instagram. And I saw this meme that describes pretty accurately because I, uh, I like enjoy the song. Um, I forgot the song's title, but it goes something about like, Mary, did you know? And the song is all about like, did you know that your baby boy would do all these things? It talks about Jesus. And so the meme goes, Mary, did you know? And she's like, yes, Gabriel told me. I already know. Don't worry about it. Right? It's like, ah, uh, total totally killing the spirit, right? There's no sense of anticipation. And I feel like many of us, we are like this. And here we're coming up to Christmas. God is doing something. And God is like, hey, did you know? Or are you looking forward to it? And we're like, yeah, I know. I've already been through it. Been there, done that. And many of us, like for life group, we're like, you know, this, some of us, this might be our third, fourth, fifth. I don't know how many life groups you've been part of. Many. 20, some, anyways, many. <laughs> many. many life groups. And we're like, oh, here we go again. It's going to be the same thing. I know exactly what my leader is going to say. In the first life, we're going to study Acts 2, 42 to 47. Mm, mm, mm. Yes. It's about I'm community. All. Always. And we're going to have some sharing time. And we're going to have LCG, right? And, and I think we lose that spirit because we're jaded or we're cynical. Or it could be like that for work or like that with family. Oh, Christmas time is coming up and family is going to be the same thing over and again. Same issues are going to come up, and we're dreading it rather than looking forward to the opportunities that God is going to give us. And I think some of us may, might be asking, but Pastor Bo, isn't this all of what the theme of the series is all about? It's unexpected joy, right? If we expect it, then we can't really have joy. But I, one thing I want to challenge us with is, and think about is anticipation is not the absence of expectation. It's not having zero expectations, because you know what is having zero expectations? What the root of that usually is, is cynicism. The root of having no expectations usually comes from cynicism and a cynical heart that says, well, nothing good is going to happen anyway, so I might as well not try. And I think uh, there's a quote um, from Francis, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Frajipani, um, in an article, I Will Rejoice, and he says this really well. He says, we must make the choice to rejoice. We must make the choice to rejoice. Too many of us are cynics. Cynicism, contrary to popular opinion, is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. A cynic is a habitual doubter. He is nearly always negative, expecting the worst, and probing for the worst when there is nothing negative visible on the surface. Ultimately, a cynic will always discover something that confirms their expectations. Right? So if you have zero expectations, then you're just going to go into that, whatever confirms that. He goes on to say, I'm saying that God is good, and even when things are not good, he works them for our good. 
He who is perfect can make something wonderful come out of what was just average or even misguided. That's where my peace comes from, God's abilities and his goodness. This is where the peace beyond comprehension comes from. Here's the source of the love that surpasses knowledge. God himself is the reason for my inexpressible joy. I think this quote, it really hits me to the heart because I realize I'm, I'm a cynic. You know, I'm, I find myself very cynical oftentimes, especially when it comes to like, things I, I look forward to. I think it's oftentimes the things I value the most that I get most cynical about, right? Mm-hmm. Especially, I think, in this season, it's been with work. Um, I've been really cynical about, like, is my efforts really going to produce something meaningful or valuable? And when I don't feel that way, then I just get really unmotivated. And mm-hmm. I, I admit that I've wasted time at work. I haven't really been the most faithful. And I realize it's because I have this really jaded perspective, you know, after working, you know, there for some number of years. It's really easy to be like, well, it's just going to be the same old, same old, you know, mm-hmm. over and over again. But one thing I've been, you know, really challenged by is one thing that even as we spend time together, you always say that you're a pessimistic optimist, mm-hmm. which is a paradox, oxymoronic. oxymoronic. So just curious, like, what actually helps you? How, how do you actually become a pessimistic optimist, optimist, if that's possible? Well, I mean, let me just address one thing. I, it just popped up in my mind about the whole issue about the cynic. Uh, it really is the opposite of people who have faith because faith is believing in something that you do not see. But a person who's cynical is they see it, but they don't believe it. Mm, yeah, that's true. So it's kind of like this uh, uh, opposite. So I think a lot of times when you meet cynical people, uh, a lot of them, they've been hurt. A lot of them, there's a lot of insecure pride. And so because of that, even though they see God working, they see all this stuff, they doubt it. They don't believe it. Yeah. And so that's a lack of faith, which is the opposite of faith, as the Bible talks mm. about, that it's believing in something that we do not see and yeah. we hope for. But uh, to answer your question, I, I think, you know, as you get older, um, it's easier to get more pessimistic because mm. you start living life and you see the frailties of humanity. You know this from personal experience. <laughs> yes, yes. Talk to Christina. Uh, and so you begin to understand more about your own weaknesses. But also as you interact with people, you begin to really see just how sinful we really are. That's true. And because of that, it just kind of makes us very pessimistic. But I think where it turns for me is to really look at myself and say, well, if God could change me and he's still changing me, and if I really believe in this gospel message, then I have to believe that he can do that. What he did in my life and what he's still doing, he could do that in someone else's life. Yeah. So I think that really helps me to be a little bit more optimistic, even though I'm like, oh, my God, I, must, I, don't, I don't know how God's going to do it. Yeah. But I've seen him over and over again. So sometimes you have to tap into your own life and how yeah. God has worked, yeah. as well as other areas that he has performed miracles and yeah. shown you that it wasn't really you, but it was him. So. Yeah. One thing that came to mind as you're sharing that actually was just the whole idea that God is a good father. Mm-hmm. Right? As I see how God has been good to me in the past, because yeah. I know that God is a good father in my mind, but... Right. I don't necessarily know that in my heart, right? We're talking about cultivating that in our hearts. And I think it's, it does take going back sometime to look at your previous experiences and see how good God was to you to experience that. Well, they talk about that, right? Salvation is six inches away uh, from your head to your heart. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we know a lot of these things about God's love, uh, God's grace. But if it doesn't come into your heart, then you begin to experience it then it's going to be just all head knowledge. Yeah, so, that's yeah. good. And I hope that many of us will be able to experience that or bridge that gap 
a little bit more as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that gives us some good questions to think about for ourselves is, you know, what is it that usually hinders us from expecting good things or great things from God? Whether it's our cynicism or jadedness from going through things repeatedly or even what Pastor Seth mentioned, maybe our, there are some past hurts or issues in our lives that really kind of breed that distrust of God that leads us to not expect anything, which ultimately leads to joylessness. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I think it'll be good, that'll be good to take some time to reflect and think through some of those questions to really help us process through. Mm -hmm. Let's continue on and read uh, verses 41 to 42 as we look at um, not only does anticipation require expectation, but anticipation also results in celebration. So let's read verses 41 to 42. It says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So anticipation results in celebration. And even though it doesn't explicitly say Elizabeth celebrated. Like, everything that she does, it has a mark of celebration. What, what happens? Like, the baby in her room. And if we look deeper, the question is, what would compel her to do something like this? And I think we need some previous information. It's actually the prophecy that was given to Zechariah, who was Elizabeth's husband, uh, that talks about what would happen. To Elizabeth, it says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been answered, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. This was because Elizabeth was uh, carrying John the Baptist. And let's read it together in the yellow. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. So there's a prophetic word about having joy, about gladness. And then in verse 15, it says, For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So we see here, the angel Gabriel prophetically speaks joy. This prophetic word about, you're going to have joy, you're going to have this gladness, people are going to rejoice from birth. And it's because he's going to be great before the Lord. So there's promise of not only John the Baptist, but it's almost also the promise of the Messiah, which was everything that the Jews were looking forward to. And so as Elizabeth is experiencing joy, she knows that joy is going to bring a greater joy for someone else. But she doesn't exactly know how or who that's coming from. So when Mary comes, that's when everything clicks. And we see that Elizabeth celebrates with joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. And one thing that you'll always notice throughout Scripture is that when you have the Holy Spirit, you have joy. We see that in Acts uh, chapter 13, verse th uh, 52. It says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 6, in the New Living Translation, it says, So you received the message, message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. And then Galatians 5, verse 22, in the ESV, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Every single time we see the Holy Spirit, there's oftentimes joy that comes about. There's this exuberance. There's this celebration. And we see that celebration. Why? Because Elizabeth, she doesn't say, Hey, what up, Mary? Hey, good to see you, you know. She says, 
whoa, like, it, 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 there's an exclamation. There's a loud cry. You don't cry loudly, you know, in, for no reason. There's, it's because there's a sense of, wow, there's um, something amazing. I want to celebrate this. And then not only that, but what does she do right after that? She blesses the child and she blesses Mary. What does it mean to be blessed? It talks about uh, the favor of God, that's blessing, or the promises of God being fulfilled, or there's certain um, prosperity to be covering over the, the child and Mary. Like when you are celebrating something, you know what we're actually doing? We're actually affirming. We're blessing. That's, that's what celebrating is. I, I, I've been watching The Voice recently. Mm. And every single time, like some of those singers are amazing. Amazing. And then when you hear some of them like go crazy, you know, all the judges are standing up and they're celebrating the artists because they're amazing. And then what do they do right after the artist is done singing? They affirm them. They speak blessings onto those singers. And that's what we do when we celebrate. We speak blessings, we speak affirmations, and we recognize the gift or the blessing or whatever it is that God is doing in that person's life. And that's what Elizabeth is doing. She's looking forward. She's anticipating. And when she, when she anticipates, it results in celebration when she's able to actually meet Mary uh, for that time when she discovers that Mary has the child. And I think this is something that personally for me has been hard to cultivate. Um, I'm not naturally someone that likes to celebrate. I don't enjoy like getting together with lots of people. I was sharing this with my wife the other night and <laughs> I was like, I don't really like celebrating because I don't like huge party. I'm very, very introverted. So anything with loud music, lots of people, I'm like, whoa. Because you're also drinking grapefruit. <laughs> Some other things can help. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think I realized like celebration is also an intentional yeah. act, right? It's something you decide to do. It's something because you care for people, mm -hmm. because you're being selfless. And it's also in some ways a discipline, right? And even I was thinking about we, we call um, our gatherings, like a lot of them celebrations. We have Sunday celebration where mm -hmm. we celebrate all of the good things that God is doing. Easter celebration, baptism celebration, night of Christmas celebration. We're celebrating. <laughs> We're celebrating <laughs> a lot of things, right? Or even in our day-to-day -day lives, we do things like baby showers, bridal showers, engagement shower, shower parties. You are? <laughs> I, I don't do that, but... Oh. Yeah. Are, are, is there some news about... No, no, no. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> no okay. news. Okay. But I realize, yeah, for me, it, it, it takes discipline or it takes intentional effort yeah. to be able to celebrate. And I realize it's something I need to learn to cultivate. And mm -hmm. so... Well, I, I think just people who are self-focused on themselves, uh, all I can say to you is you'll have a hard time celebrating mm. um, because celebration is not something that's inward, yeah. but it's outward. So the more you can focus on God, the more you can focus on that person, yeah. it's easier to celebrate. Yeah. I mean, what are some ways that you celebrate, like that you develop celebration, whether it's in your family or even in the season. Yeah, so, I mean, it comes in different ways. When you're eating together, you could just share some good things that are happening. Uh, even when you're spending time with some of your disciples or your mentees, uh, hearing some of the praises God is doing, you celebrate that. And just finding just little things throughout. The, when you make the MTR train, <laughs> when the door is about to close, yeah. you know, you're like, yeah. praise God. Yeah. You know, you celebrate. So yeah. you just find different ways throughout the day yeah. and you're developing that as yeah. a discipline. Yeah, yeah, and something that, um, you know, Eric and I, we've been trying to do for our family is like make the holidays intentional times to celebrate. Right? I think because I grew up not really celebrating holidays or not really cherishing it. We didn't, our family, I mean, we put up a tree, but it wasn't like a big deal. 
Um, and I think for me, just naturally, I'm like, what's the big deal? It's just a holiday. It's just another day in the calendar. It's kind of like New Year's is an arbitrary <laughs> date that some cal calendar people just decided January 1st is going to be yeah. significant. But I realize, you know, to, to commemorate or to recognize or to appreciate people, I think having a special day to spend with people or family yeah. and friends is really, really important. Well, so. I, I think you should talk to Christina because that's something that she kind of started in our family because when it was Christmas, like I didn't grow up doing all that stuff. And then so we're similar. She, in yeah, way. we're <laughs> similar in that way. But uh, she pulled out a cake. And I'm like, oh, whose birthday was? Uh, but it was Christmas, so it's wow. Jesus' birthday. <laughs> so once again, just thinking outside of yourself, mm. excited to open your <laughs> gifts. But it's Jesus' birthday, so we will actually sing "Happy Birthday to Jesus." Wow! And then have the cake, open the presents. You should record it and post it on social media this time around. <laughs> well, anyway, we have to still put up the treat. Yeah. So. Christina. <laughs> well, anyways, I mean, you know, it's each family's different, each person's different. Yes. I think. You know, we need to find our own ways to celebrate. And, and I'm hoping and I'm praying that, you know, in our own way, with our family or with our friends, and hopefully it's not just celebrating for the sake of celebrating, but it's celebrating to remember who Christ is. And it's celebrating to recognize God in everything that we've been doing. And I think that will be a really powerful way. So, you know, for how about us? I think the question is, have we celebrated recently? Um, do we find joy? Have we experienced that joy of the Holy Spirit? Even in difficult circumstances, I think that's the most powerful thing, the witness that we can have during this Christmas season is if people are able to see that we have joy and we have reason to celebrate, even though we have things like the fourth wave and even though, you know, the, the world is in, in chaos in many ways, uh, for us to still have that joy. Not because we're oblivious to it, but in spite of it, that we can have that joy. And so we wanted to give you some time, again, just for some huddle groups. Uh, two questions again. The first one is, in what ways do you find yourself cynical or lacking expectation in your daily life? Like Back to that first point right, where anticipation requires expectation. What are some ways that you don't have that expectation or you realize that you've been jaded or cynical? And second question, uh, more toward the celebration aspect of what are some ways that you can practice expectation or celebration this month? Just think of some ways that this December that you can actually practice that. So again, we'll just give you about six minutes or so, and then we'll come back and Pastor Seth will share the second point. You had a good time in the huddle group, and as we've been just sharing about this whole anticipation, I pray that all of us are anticipating, even, in, even though we know Christmas is coming up, because that's going to fuel our joy. Let me just quickly go into the second point as we finish off this section and close off our time. Uh, the second point that I want to mention here is not only the anticipation fuels our joy, but also our attitude fuels our joy. So depending on what kind of attitude you have, that will either fuel the joy or it will suck out the joy in you. So let's go ahead and read verse 43 to 44 and uh, see what the Word of God says. And as we look at this together, uh, let's try to understand this idea of how our attitude can really transform and help us in our joy. It says this in verse 43. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ear, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. So the thing that we need to understand here as we continue on in this story is that Elizabeth continues in her praise for Mary 
as well as for the baby that's in the womb, which is Jesus, the Messiah. And I want you to notice that Elizabeth directs her attention on the privilege that she has to be able to be one of the first ones to hear this news, especially as she felt it in her womb as John the Baptist uh, leaped when uh, he heard the greeting by Mary. So I want to talk a little bit about what kind of attitude. So if we're talking about anticipation, feels our joy, and now we're talking about an attitude, the question is what kind of attitude do we need? The first attitude is this. It's a heart of humility. The heart of humility. I want you to notice Elizabeth's question again. And she says, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I mean, this was a genuine question of disbelief and not fully understanding and even feeling this sense of privilege. And one of the things you will notice is she even uses the term, my Lord. And it's a reference to Christ, the Messiah. So how is it that this Messiah, this Christ, this news of him has come to me? And this is kind of the humble heart that she had because she was the one, one of the first ones because no one else knew about this. I want you to look at how the other Bible translations translates this verse. And I'm going to have all of you read it in the yellow with me. And some of you are probably thinking, why, why do we do this? Because I believe in the more senses you use, not just reading, but even speaking, hearing, uh, you'll remember some of these passages well. So I'm going to read it from the Passion, uh, passion Translation. It says this on the count of three, one, two, three. How did I deserve such a remarkable honor to have the mother of my Lord come and visit me. So I want you to look at that phrase. How did I deserve? Really understanding the sense of privilege that she didn't really deserve it. In the NIV, it says this, but why am yeah, I so favored, favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So once again, what did I do? Why am I, I'm, why am I being shown this grace, this favor that I don't deserve? Message translation, it says this, and why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord visits me? So this idea of being blessed, it's not because you do something, but God desires to give it unto us freely. Freely you have received, now you freely give. And lastly, the Amplified Version says this, And how has it happened to me that the Lord, of, mother of my Lord would come to me? So literally she has no idea, like in a good sense, clueless, that how in the world... Someone like me can actually be one of the first ones to hear about this Messiah that is to come and to be the Savior of this world. I'm wondering when was the last time we had this kind of attitude? When was the last time you were humble when you thought about the gospel and what Jesus Christ has been doing in your life? You know, when I think about myself, I, I, I realize that thing that helps me oftentimes to kind of stay rooted and grounded is just to think about where my life was prior to coming to Christ. And if I kept on going in that trajectory, I know that I would not be where I am right now. So when I think about that, it just reminds me how important it is that it really is about the grace and the love of God in my life. Yeah, that's good. Because yeah. I think sometimes when I think about it, and yeah. I think it's easy to get caught up in that, oh, I'm so great right now. And Therefore, I deserve these things. But as soon as I remember back when I was yeah. in uh, undergrad, university, even high school, you're like, whoa, <laughs> it definitely doesn't deserve yeah. that. So. Yeah, so it really helps us, you know. And, and then also, I'm just thinking about more bigger picture, uh, just thinking about the opportunity that we have, all the blessings we've received as a church. Mm. 
I think you and I can testify that uh, a lot of these things we didn't deserve. Yeah. And God's working in spite of us, you know. Um, and so I think it just reminds us once again that it really is God working. Uh, I don't know what it is for you. Uh, maybe it's just realizing that the job that you have, maybe it's just being able to go to the school that you go to, maybe having the family that you have, uh, just being able to have a, a roof over your head when there's so many other people who don't have different things. And so that just keeps us humble, realizing and some of you are spending time with people who have been walking with the Lord, who's discipling you, who are spending time with you. Not everyone in our church has that. And so when you think about it, it's not because you're great. It's because God's mercy and his grace upon you and having that kind of attitude. And then we see Elizabeth's heart of humility. Uh, it's interesting here because she could have easily gotten jealous and discontent. Now, the reason why I was thinking about this, you know, as I was kind of, it's a short passage. So I was kind of thinking, meditating on it. And I'm like, Lord, speak to me. And I was just thinking, if I was Elizabeth, I like, I can see some of these bad stuff coming out. <laughs> like jealousy, discontentment. Because if you remember earlier, as you, you quoted in Luke chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, I'm, I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. Listen to what it says. You, this is Gabriel, uh, the angel speaking to Elizabeth about her being pregnant at an old age and John the Baptist was going to be in her womb. And it says this, You will have great joy and delight and many will rejoice over his birth. So pretty much there's going to be a party going on because of the baby you have. Now, what mom, come on now, what mom would not be ecstatic knowing that everyone will know about this baby, right? And then in verse 15, it says this, for he will be great and distinguished in the sight of the Lord. So just try to imagine for a moment, you're Elizabeth. You get this prophetic word. You, you are well advanced in years, so you know it's a miracle and it's talking about how your son is going to be awesome. Your son is going to be great. And so you're excited. So you've been holding on to this baby now. It's been, what, about six months? Uh, she's been pregnant about six months so in her last trimester, entering into her last trimester. And you could kind of think about this and say, oh, my baby's so awesome. My baby's so great. Then all of a sudden, Mary comes and she's carrying the Messiah. Okay, he's second place. He's okay. He's all right. You know, you know what I'm saying? That jealousy and that thing that comes up. And so those of you who have no clue about jealousy, because you're just not the jealous type. Uh, those of you who don't really struggle with discontentment because you're always content. Uh, first of all, you're lying because all of us struggle with it. And so it starts at a young age even. I want you to look at this picture. Here's a meme. That look of jealousy. <laughs> we all know what that feels like, right? You're the most precious and spoiled child that all of a sudden another baby comes along and that baby's looking like, oh, I don't like this baby already, my younger brother, right? Uh, to those of you who are only children or only child, we'll pray for you. May the Lord bless you, all right? It's about perspective here. Now, why am I showing this and why am I sharing this? Because I think when you begin to compare yourself to other people, and what it does, is sucks the joy out of your life. Um, think about this for a moment. Um, 15 minutes of scrolling on social media. What does it do to you? Let's be honest. Just 15 minutes. 
Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, Pastor Bo's uh, first point of anticipating joy. and No. You, you know what happens. Oh, I suck. Oh, my God. They have that. Oh, they're married. Oh, they're going to have a new kid. I don't even have anything right now. My life stinks. They have that job. I mean, 15 minutes, even 10 minutes of social media, I'm telling you right now, it will suck the joy out of your life. I'm not saying don't look at social media. But once again, it's the attitude. And a lot of times when we start comparing with other people, what they have, what they've gone through, uh, what are they experiencing, but you're not, oftentimes you forget the blessings that you have and the things that God has given you and things that you can enjoy now. And if that's part of God's will for you, he will provide really being able to trust that he knows what he's doing in your life. And so once again, is there a comparison? Because comparison oftentimes is a root of insecure pride. You're pretty much telling God that whatever you're doing to me, I don't like, and you don't care about me. That's pride because you're telling God something. And there's nothing wrong with being honest. But it's the pride that because of the insecurity that we have, rather than out of a fullness of what we already have, then we say, God, this is what you have given me. And thank you for what I have. And that's why I'm just, I don't know, I was just kind of thinking about this. And I'm just wondering, Pastor Bo, like for you, like if, has there, has there been times of either comparison or when you felt discontent or comparison? I don't know if you've kind of gone through jealousy and things like that. Maybe it'll help some of our members to hear. Yeah, well, uh, first thing I wanted to share was like even your comment about scrolling through Instagram. Like in my Instagram feed, I think it would be easy to compare because like all the friends that we have, like, babies upon babies upon babies right there's mm. so many babies and i know like people are like oh they're so cute mm -hmm. right but then i know like you know in back conversations i'm sure people compare like oh that baby is cuter than this wow, one wow wow <laughs> like, so, so to every parent the baby is the best okay? <laughs> i can't imagine what the mother's probably feeling knowing that all those conversations are happening that's bad in the yeah. back end um we'll see <laughs> if i ever get to that point we'll see what happens but i think personally for me um I, jealousy, I think I, I thought I never struggled with jealousy, but I, the more I think about it, the more I realize it's so easy to get caught up. Mm. For me, in the context of like performance or like what things that I have accomplished or what things that I've gotten, um, like the, the really long ago example would, would have been um, when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. I didn't get the editor-in-chief position for my newspaper. Oh, and, horrible, horrible. I was, like, devastated because <laughs> my friends had gotten it, and I was, like, editor-at-large. It's, like, <laughs> the position they give you because they have no other positions to give. At large. I was devastated, and, uh, like, no, many of you know about, like, emo Bo, and I was, like, very emo Bo. I, like, walked around the school. <laughs> I, like, cried in front of my locker, things like that. Um, but I felt like, okay, I got, I, I got over that. But then, you know, even in this day and age, I think – it does come to a lot of comparison with my friends who, uh, like, after we graduated, now that I'm in Hong Kong, like, I see all of them, like, sporting Teslas. Mm. Um, they're in the Bay Area, like, working for the tech companies. And I'm like, oh, what would have... It's not that great, Pastor Bo. It's not that great. <laughs> it's like, what would have been, like, if I could have had that, you know? And I think there are those feelings of, like, what, what would have been? And mm. I think... I really agree with what you said about the whole pride is because it's not like, oh, I just want what they want. But I think there's this feeling in me like, oh, I could have done that. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I should have been able to do that. But God, this is what you gave me. Not that I don't love being a pastor, but I think there are those thoughts. Can we thoughts. all pray for a pastor bowl right now? <laughs> there are definitely those thoughts. And I sure. think 
what yeah. you shared, what really helps is when I do eventually come down to and identify it as pride and mm. realize it's pride. And when I realize it's pride, then I'm like, oh, okay, like, God, instead of me trying to get what I want based on my own terms, like, what you've given me is actually better. I think that helps. Yeah, so. that's good. That's good. That's why I think just this heart of humility that we see in Elizabeth is just incredible. Knowing that she's carrying John the Baptist, and now Mary comes and carrying the Messiah. Instead of comparing and getting jealous, she's rejoicing. And that's why she says, why are you coming to me? Why do I have this privilege of knowing that you're carrying the Messiah? In, in that humble heart, I think it's incredible. That's why I thought it was interesting that the phrase, the baby leaping in her womb is mentioned again. Mm. So twice. Yeah. It was first mentioned in 41, and now it's mentioned in verse 44. And so I think this was a precursor to John the Baptist who would go before Jesus yeah, and prepare right, the way. Right. Uh, I think all of us know that John the Baptist, he was known as just a humble servant of God. Uh, he didn't have much. He was wearing camel cloth and all the stuff, eating honey. and But God used him to prepare the way for Jesus. And I'm just kind of wondering if that's our role here on this earth. It's not about us. Uh, some of you are going to be very successful. Some of you are going to do great things and praise God for that. I pray that you will use your influence for good and not for your own selfish means. But I'm wondering if our lives really is not really about us, but it's about Jesus, us preparing the way for someone else to come to know who Jesus is and the way we live our lives. Just listen to what John the Baptist said uh, in John chapter 3, verse 28 through 30. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And once again, read the yellow section with me out loud. It says this, you yourselves know how plainly I told you. This is John the Baptist speaking. He says, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and is hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with, come on, say this, joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. What a great reminder. I, I love that imagery. That Can you imagine, like, you're the best man in the wedding? You're, you're, not, you're not the main dude, you know? <laughs> the guy who's going to get married, the groom, he's the main guy. With the bridegroom, she's the main person. But can you imagine if you're the best man, you're like, hey, how about me? That's, that's exactly what I believe that John understood, that yeah. he's just the best man, and he's just standing there, and he's just excited mm. that his friend is getting married. He's not like comparing himself, no. not trying to be self-focused. Right, or like that. exactly. And I think this is hard for a lot of us. Mm. I really believe it's very hard for a lot of us that if someone else succeeds, because I think it is rooted in our pride because yeah. we think we're better or we think we deserve this. Yeah. Why do they get this and I don't? Why do they get to do this and I don't? Why do they have that and I don't? Mm. It's because we have an overestimation of ourselves. Yeah. So I think that's a good reminder for us. Or even I feel uh -huh. like sometimes we feel like we're God. Yeah. Because I think I like when you, you talked about or John the Baptist says, I am not the Messiah. But yeah. oftentimes when we have that pride, it's because we think we're God. Yeah. We think we should get certain things. Yeah deserve certain things yeah and even when we're talking about ministry 
when you're spending time with people and they're not changing or yeah. you don't want, you're not seeing them change as fast yeah. and you get frustrated. Yeah. You think you're God somehow your God's gift to change people's <laughs> lives and we're not. And we've never experienced that before. No, right? never. No. Of course not. <laughs> so we have to be able to understand it's God who changes people. Yeah. And then we pray. Uh, another thing that we talk about here, the attitude. So once again, we're talking about the attitude. So it's this attitude of humility. And the second attitude that Elizabeth had was this attitude of honor, uh, this heart of honor. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 45. Listen to what it says in verse 45. It says this, and bless is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So here's Elizabeth. She closes out her exhortation by giving honor to Mary for her, her obedience to God's prophetic word uh, that was spoken to her. So she heard it. She said, here is your, I am your servant. Do whatever you desire. Then she comes. And then we see here, Elizabeth emphasizes Mary's faith and her trust in God. I thought that was awesome. Listen to what it says. The verse 45 in the Living Bible says this. You believe that God will do what he said. That is why he has given you this wonderful blessing. Like she's not trying to compare, but she's, she's blessing her. She's honoring Mary and saying, because of your obedience, God is doing these great things in your life. And I think this is one of the secrets of having joy is simply believing and trusting in what God has said and obeying his word. I think when we have this kind of heart to honor God, uh, you're going to start experiencing joy in your life. The problem is that a lot of us have a heart to honor ourselves. A lot of us have a heart to get things and do things. But if you really, your heart is set on honoring God in every aspect of your life, and I'm even talking about even some of the private areas of your life, the things that no one else might see or the things that we do that maybe your boss might not see or you might kind of cut corners, all those things. Like, yeah, no one will call you out. But God is there. He sees you. And so the question is, is our heart, is it set on honoring God? Because if you are, then that's where the joy comes. When there's a sense of freedom in your heart and even in your mind and your conscience. And so we go from here, from honoring God and also just learning how to honor people and to lift up and encourage some of these people in our lives. I want to kind of, you know, we, we toss around the word honor a lot. I want to give you the dictionary definition so we're kind of all on the same page. The American Heritage Dictionary defines honor as this in two ways. High respect as that shown for special merit recognition or esteem the second part of the definition is a sense of principled uprightness of character personal integrity i'm just wondering do we have this kind of honor towards god because of who he is we esteem him we believe he's the most important thing that his opinion matters more than anyone else that us pleasing him is more important than pleasing our parents or pleasing our teachers or leaders or whatever else in your life that honoring him esteeming him as the most important is our heart's desire and also with people learning how to esteem them and i, I it's just my own confession as you know pastor bo knows as we've been um uh how long have we known each other now 
It's been about, what, 10 years or so? Was it that long? (laughs) (laughs) It feels like it. Anyway. uh, 2009 or 10, after you came back from Indonesia. Oh, after, okay, so about 11, 11 some years, yeah. But, uh, you know, one of the things I would say is this. I have no problem, like, honoring when we get a special guest. You know, when they come to our church, we want to honor them, uh, try to find whatever restaurant we can find to bless them. You know, we have some incredible people on the host team. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes. And they are great at just, be, I mean, every time we have guests over, they're always saying like, you guys are like, because we have people actually waiting in line so that when we get there, we don't have to wait in line. You know, I mean, we're talking about, we give the VIP treatment and because we honor them, we esteem them. A lot of them have been my mentors. Some of them are my close friends. And so it's, it's no problem. I have no problem honoring them. But then I was just thinking, like, how about those people that I'm like, think they're not so great? And I realized I struggle with it because it's my pride. Because for me, I'm like, I'm better than you. Uh, You don't know what you're talking about. So it's very difficult for me to esteem them. And I think that's a sin and that's an issue of pride in my own heart. And so, like, what would it be like if we can esteem people the way we esteem God because they're made in the image of God? That's why I think the attitude is not only the humility but learning how to honor God as we honor people. And so that's something that I'm constantly learning. And and that's interesting, too, that you share that. Because when I think back to the times that I've experienced the most joy, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily the times that I've esteemed myself or honor myself, right? I think when you... When I've tried to do that, you kind of get deflated, yeah. right? Or like when you order an Amazon package for yourself or a Taobao package for yourself, like you get really excited when it comes and then when it gets there, you're like, oh, this is just for myself. But then, I don't know, there's something about when you give something to someone else and you get yeah. to see their joy or you honor them in some way. Like then carousel. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. I don't know. There is a different sense of there is. like joy that you get even though you are the one giving right. to someone else. Right. So. I mean, you might enjoy it for a little bit, but it's a different feeling yeah. when you get something and then you're going to give it to right. somebody else. Yeah. yeah. That's why I like what uh, Hammer William Webb um, Peblo said. Uh, he wrote this, joy is not gush. Amen. It's not this warm feeling. Joy is not jolliness. Joy is simply um, perfect acquiescence in God's will because the soul delights itself in God himself. Rejoice in the will of God and in nothing else. Bow down your heads and your hearts before God and let the will, the blessed will of God, be done. So this idea of doing the will of God really brings forth this joy. So it's not just this feeling, but it really is about obedience. And that's what we see in Elizabeth. Not only was she humble, but she was honoring Mary. And because Mary was living out in faith, trusting that Jesus was going to come. Uh, I was just thinking about this one verse as we're talking about learning how to honor people and something that I need to keep on reminding myself on. It says this in Romans 12, verse 10 in the ESV. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Come on, let's say this together. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know, whenever we're trying to outdo each other, Paul is saying, outdo each other in showing honor. And then look at, look at these other translations. And the NIV says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor, honor one, one another, another above yourself. So once again, when you want to honor people, you got to think less of yourself. It really is about the other person. 
who is made in the image of God. The voice translation says this, live in true devotion to one another, loving each other as sisters and brothers. And here, say this uh, yellow section with me, be first to honor, honor others, others by, by putting, putting them, them first. first. This idea of others first. And then the message translation says, be good friends who deeply, who love deeply, practice playing second fiddle. No one likes to play second fiddle. Or we violin. All, <laughs> or we always want to be the spotlight shining on us. But once again, if we can learn how to put others before ourselves, which is the Jesus principle, then that's when we're going to be able to have this joy in our lives. So I, I want to ask us, like, how, how about us this morning? Do we have this attitude of humility? Do we have this attitude of honor? If you don't, then maybe that's why some of you don't have the joy in walking with the Lord and serving God at this very moment because you're making everything about yourself. I'm wondering if it's possible that one of the reasons why you don't have joy in your life is because, you know, you're being affected by circumstances, which then affects your emotions and your mindset. Maybe you have to go beyond yourself. Look to Jesus and look at the cross. I love what Isaac Watts said in his 19, or excuse me, 1719 hymn, as we uh, heard at the special praise during the offering, Joy to the World. And I think this is such a great reminder in this Christmas season, the reason why we have joy. And so I'm going to read the verses for us. It's, it's up on your screen, so you could just kind of uh, look at it. It says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth. The Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ. While fields and rocks. Or floods, rocks, hills and plains. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrow grow. Nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, as far as the curse is found, as far, as far as the curse is found. And the last verse in the stanza says this, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love, the wonders of his love, and the wonders, the wonders of his love. And I want to just speak to some of you as you've been watching um, you know, I know many of you have gone to church. You probably sang some of these Christmas songs, but not really understanding the full meaning. Some of you might be just watching and through an invitation uh, from your friends, sending over the link. And what I want to share with you is very simple. This, this really is the gospel message. Because of who we are in our sinfulness, there's no way we can save ourselves. And no matter how hard you try to look good and to get everything in order, it will always fall short. And this is the reason why someone, so many of us are on this path of trying to earn our own salvation, our own righteousness, and we cannot. And that's why for many of these people, the shepherds and these tax collectors and these prostitutes and all those people who were marginalized in the society back then, the reason why there was such great joy was because of the good news, that no longer do they needed to earn the salvation. But Jesus Christ the Savior of the world will come into this place and live the perfect life that you and I could not live. And so that we will then 
be able to have all our sins imputed onto this Jesus Christ, given over as he died on the cross. He took the sins of the world upon his own shoulder. He died, and now the Bible tells us he rose again from the dead on the third day. And because of that, now when we put our faith and trust in him, that we can be certain that we ourselves will have eternal life. This is the basis of our joy, that it's not about us, but it's about the one who loved us in spite of who we were and in spite of who we are right now, that he continues to be patient, to reach out to us and to love us, to wanting us to have this sense of anticipation as well as the attitude of humility. And that's what we need to be able to be humble and to say, God, I need you to be able to honor him honor others around us and experience this true joy. So with that in mind, we wanted to once again remind us of the one thing as we talked about earlier. The one thing is that our joy, wherever you are right now, if you're like a five or a four or a three, you can elevate your joy to the next level if we will just allow our hearts to be cultivated with the sense of anticipation and with the attitude that we need to turn to him and him alone. So we wanted to at least give us some really practical steps. I think these things will really help you if you actually apply them into your life, not just let the message go through one year and out the other, but to apply it into your life. I believe that it can transform uh, your life starting today. So uh, Pastor Paul, you want to share the first couple? Yeah, I mean, thanks for the reminder because I, I do, you know, even when we talk about anticipating or the attitude, like we can't manufacture those things on our own. Yeah. It really does have to come from our understanding of the gospel and our experience with God. Um, and the next steps, like you shared, we don't have to do all of them. They're just some suggestions and, and find one that's going to really help. I think the first one um, that I was thinking of is just writing down two to three things that you want to develop a God-centered expectation for. And uh, this could be with your family. It could be in your workplace. It could be with your relationships. Um, whatever is going to help you to develop a God-centered expectation for, just two or three simple things that you can actually um, do in order to elevate those expectations. The second thing is actually scheduling in time to celebrate what God has done in 2020. And if you're like me, if you're naturally celebrating, you want to have lots of parties, great, go for it. But if you're like me um, and you, it's just harder, you have to make it a discipline, then I think it really is important to schedule in that time. Scheduling time with your LCG, making, uh, planning something online with your life group over Zoom, even if it's you know, even if you don't like Zoom, like intentionally doing that because you value or you're trying to make time or even personally, if, if it's just celebrating on your own, scheduling a personal retreat to say, hey, God, I want to look back at all the things. I don't know how many of you you write in journals, but you haven't looked at, back at it ever in your life. Be really good to take a, a day retreat and spend the first hour, two hours just reading back to all your journal entries from the past year and just marvel and look at all the great things that God has done. And then just a couple more uh, off my points that I want to share. The third thing would be just to keep a thankful journal. Uh, and I, it's just a, it's a discipline just to write down. And I, sometimes I just write it on my notes uh, on my phone just, just throughout the day if I experience something that is good. Because what it's doing is it's helping you to be thankful for what you have. This will fight some of the comparison. This will fight some of the things that suck the joy out of you. When you're thankful that, man, I get to experience this. Man, I have this. I don't deserve it, Lord. When you have a thankful journal, it'll keep you rooted and humble. The fourth and last thing is just always remember the gospel. Just remember who you are. 
where you came from, who you are now because of Jesus Christ, where you're going to be in the future. If your whole life can be about your identity in Christ, a son or a daughter in Christ, we, we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the, 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 the highest power in this world. It will give you greater confidence and to be able to walk in this joy. I wanted to uh, close out, or we wanted to close out here and talk about this grandma. Uh, she's 78 years old. It's really interesting. She's from the Netherlands. And she, for the 78 years of her life, never flew an airplane, on an airplane, ever. And so some of her family members, they were a little bit scared because it might shock her. And so what they decided to do is to take her on a roller coaster ride first. Now, you guys probably figured it out. It's not like an airplane, but close enough. You know, there's going to be a lot of shaking and all this stuff. And so they said, okay, okay, now, now, if you could, if you could uh, get on this roller coaster and you survive, then flying will be no problem. And so I want to show you this really one minute clip of her actually being on this roller coaster. They, they actually filmed it. And I want you to see her experiencing a roller coaster for the very first time. And unexpectedly, she was joyful. So let's watch it together. Amen. I pray that this coming week, you will experience this unspeakable joy that you can't even put it into words. All you have to do is laugh like that granny. And I pray that you'll experience that. So wherever you are, I pray that you will elevate that joy as you begin to cultivate the heart that we need, which is the anticipation and the right attitude in humility and in honor. Let's experience it this week, and I pray that all of you will. And uh, if you want, if many of you are on Zoom, right, if you could just unmute yourself for a very quick moment, uh, all of us right now, and on the count of three, I just want you to laugh, all right? Just think of something funny and a laugh. Are you ready? One, two, three. <laughs> I hope you guys are laughing. All right. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.